I know the maker of 
Circumstances may not be fixed at the end of this trial. May our hearts be fixed on you. Oh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you touch your servant. Broken. Not fit to shoot, really. Lord, I need you. I can only do this with your help. trust you in the process when I don't understand. In Jesus' name. I'll show you say amen. amen. Open your Bibles. <coughs> Luke chapter 22. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Did you know the devil wants to own you? He wants to own you. Here's what he wants to do. That he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee. Mm. I'm glad he prays for us, don't you? That thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. 
And he said unto him, Lord, I have, I am ready to go with thee both in the prison and the death. And many of you know Peter didn't know what he was talking about yet. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Jesus knows what we don't. He sees what we don't. Amen. They just ain't about it. Amen. I want to focus on the latter part of verse 31. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And I want to preach with God's help this morning on this thought. And I pray it will be a help to all of us. The secret is in the sifting. Thank you. You need to be seated in the presence of the Lord. The secret is in the sifting. I want to show you with God's help this morning a process of preparation for impactful service to the king that each one of God's children must at some point endure. If you're going to be used of God to the fullest extent, extent to which he has called you. Now I just said a mouthful. So not everybody that's saved is serving God. Not everybody that's serving God is doing so at their greatest impact level. Deep calleth unto deep. God is calling us closer. God is calling us to be purer. God is calling us to be more holy. God is calling us to be brighter. For Jesus, at what level will you settle for your relationship with God? Are you happy to just be saved and have fire insurance? Just to live out the rest of your days? Well, I'm not going to hell. Well, whoopie to do. How many others are going to hell because you won't open your mouth? Yeah. Hello? Right. How many others are going to go to hell because you're Lacks. How many others are going to go to hell because of the Laodicean apathy that has settled and crept into most of our churches today? Amen. How many more are going to go to hell because this kind of addressing to the immediate congregation is so hated that most churches run this kind of preaching out and replace it with puppets and pulpiteers? How many more are going to have to go to hell? How much more is how much hotter is the world going to have to get? How much more worse is that? How much more decay is going to have to hit our families before we wake up and get real with God? Amen. How many more of your babies and grandbabies are going to have to die and go to hell before you wake up and realize this is not a game? Too busy playing church. Need to get real with God. And I want to tell you about a Jesus that most preachers today don't even know nothing about. The Jesus of suffering. The Jesus of great trial and tribulation. The Jesus that's controversial. Yeah. The Jesus that takes a whip and runs out the religious Pharisees straight out of the temple from which they had it claimed that was their own. Amen. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, Jesus is polite and inclusive and all that. They don't know the God of the Bible is what I want to tell you this right. morning. I'm telling you about a God that is serious. 
He's so serious about sin that he poured the blood of his own son out to make payment for it. And how could we take so light, so great a subject? That God would say, so great is the chasm of separation between unholy man and holy God that the only remedy is the blood of Christ, which I will pay for those who will receive it only for us to trample it underfoot and, and, and pretend like there's no big deal. God is calling for a church that gets past their self and gets hooked on Jesus to replace your image with his image. And there's a process that we must go through if we want to get close to God and experience the most impactful and fruitful season that we could possibly experience as children of God on this side of heaven. If you're interested, shout amen. 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 Now, can you give me some time to work this sermon? I don't plan to keep you out till 1 o'clock, but I do want to finish what God started and I don't need no naysayers looking at your clock at 12 o'clock trying to shut me down. Can y'all just bear with me as I follow the Holy Ghost this morning? Is that all right with everybody? The process of preparation for impactful service can be seen in a simple analogy, and that is from table, rather from field to table process of wheat. Jesus references the wheat and he references the sifting. But did you know that there's a whole process that leads up to the sifting and also something that happens after the sifting? And I want to look with God's help this morning at those elements to help us better grasp what it is that Jesus was warning Peter would happen to him and uh, the Holy Ghost is telling this church will happen to us if we're going to be used mightily of God. Right. Number one, there is a selection process. God chooses whom he will. He does not ask permission. He informs. Can I get an amen? amen? We see this in the life of Peter. This is symbolic of the harvest of souls. Amen. I know the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I know it's the whosoever will gospel. And anybody and everybody calls on the name of Jesus, they are in fact called to be his. Can I get an amen? amen. But I also want you to see the selection is limited only to those who receive. You're not just automatically a child of God just because you go to church. Right. You're not just automatically a child of God. Hey, everybody's a child of God. No, they ain't either. Right. Jesus called a bunch of them being a diapers and called them the children of the, uh, Satan. Right. Amen. There, there are children of God who have put their faith in Jesus. There are children of the devil who haven't. Right. All right. Y'all following with me? Say Amen. amen. Uh, and there's a selection process, and, and I'm glad for the day that he harvested my soul, September the 9th of 1990. I, just like many of you, were sitting there in my sin thinking I was okay till the Holy Ghost dialed my number and showed me that I was lost and undone without God. And unless I accepted Jesus as my Savior, one day I'd stand before God and give account of my wicked deeds and die uh, an eternal death in a place called the Lake of Fire. I didn't want that. 
So you know what I did as an 11 year old boy? I called on Jesus. You know what he did? As an eternal God, he did exactly what he said. He saved me. He cleansed me. He washed me. He made me one of his. He made me one of his elect. I was chosen. Amen. Amen. And he'll choose you if you'll choose him. Amen. We see the choosing or the selection in Peter's life. Uh, where Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, from, uh, for they were fishers, Matthew 4, 18. Then verse 19 said, He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. Not only did he call him to salvation, but he chose them for service. Did you know that when you're saved by the grace of God, God don't just save you to sit on a church pew for the rest of your life. He saves you so that you will get busy serving Jesus. Now, I have a problem, and I believe I could prove by the Scripture that the Scripture has a problem with people who say they serve Jesus, but they don't serve His church. And here's why. The church is the body of Christ. You cannot serve the head without serving the body. Amen. And if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to serve the church. Well, I don't like the church. Well, you just said you don't like Jesus because we are the body of Christ. In fact, Jesus so loved the church that he paid for it with his own blood. You better watch your mouth about how you run down the bride of Christ with your mouth. He takes offense to that. And some people can't get busy serving God because they got a hang-up over somebody in the church and they're blaming the whole church for something that one idiot did. And you can't, uh, you can't let one idiot ruin it for everybody else, including yourself. And I like one, one person said, I, I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than I had to go to hell with one. Can I get an amen this morning? That's right. So you might as well get past other people and don't let other people keep you from serving Jesus in this true church. And I just want to encourage you that if you've been selected to be saved and you've been saved by the grace of God, you weren't just saved to just absorb all the information in your head that you could ever absorb about Jesus and never do anything with it. Amen. He means for you to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, to put to practice the things that you've heard and seen and read and learned so that you can be the, become the hands and feet of Jesus. What would Jesus do? Well, he would love sinners. What would Jesus do? He would preach to them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. So what would Jesus do? He would do what you would have him do through, amen, with the book that he's put in your hand. All right, so there's a selection process. We're harvested into the kingdom through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you're with me, say amen. 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 All right, so I'm glad for the selection, aren't you? Amen. Uh, so this leads me to my second point. There is also a securing process. After that wheat has been harvested or selected, you might say, before it can go to the sifting process, there is a, there is a bundling together. This this is also signifying God gathering his people together. Did you know that that's what the word church actually means? Is a gathering together of God's people. Amen. That's what the word church means is to gather together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why is it we're doing less church the closer we get to Jesus instead of more church like the Bible tells us to Oh, it's getting quiet now. 
Oh, we now went from two-week revivals to three-day revivals to no revivals. Nobody has time for God anymore. You better make time for God because ready or not, He's a coming and you're going to have to be ready if you want to be ready to stand before Him. There's a selection process where he, he, but then there is that process where He begins to put us together. When God saves you, I believe with all of my heart that He wants to secure you. He wants to secure you in a local New Testament church where you can grow by the grace of God. Now with all these internet prophets, televangelists, and, 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 and Twitter prophets, and Facebook prophets, you got people everywhere. The Bible said in the last days uh, that perilous times will come and that there will be many false prophets. Amen. And nowadays, it's not uncommon. In fact, I spoke with a businessman the other day that told me he does his church on the Internet. He, he don't have time to actually physically go to a building. So he feels like that that's his spiritual nourishment. There's only one problem with that. That's not Bible. Amen. Now, I understand we do Internet to reach people. And sometimes you've got to be at home because you're sick and you can't go to church. And for that reason, we do what we do. Amen. But there is no replacement and there's no excuse for why the children of God can't or won't commit to a local assembly of believers so that we can rally together and do something for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The devil knows what the, the enemies of our faith knew back in COVID when they tried to force everybody to shut down is that when we're divided, we can't not stand. Can I preach a little bit this morning? And, and we're blaming everybody. We want to blame the preacher. We want to blame the choir director. We want to blame, blame the church staff. We want to blame the deacons. We want to blame everybody for why the church ain't growing and doing a bit. Everybody says, go preacher, go. But nobody wants to put a finger towards effort of actually growing the church. Where are you and why are you missing in action? God wants to put his people in the church to serve the church to find out I don't ha I don't I don't think I, it's my obligation as a pastor to come and twist your arm and beg and coerce you into jumping in and getting involved somewhere in this thing we call church. If you are as hungry for God as you ought to be, and if you're as on fire for Jesus as you ought to be, you would be looking for ways to serve Him. You'd be saying, Lord, what can I do to grow your church? I wouldn't have to ask for a list of volunteers because they'd just automatically show up and say, where can I serve? Is this a foreign message to today's church world or what? Oh, we just want everybody to be comfortable and nobody to be challenged. And, and I've probably done heard about three-fourths of everybody's feelings this morning, so we might as well preach the rest of it out. Amen. Now, don't take none of this personal unless the Holy Ghost makes it personal. Because I'm not pointing at nobody. I'm just preaching what we call shotgun preaching. You know what a shotgun does at a distance? It'll hit just about everything. Amen. And the Holy Ghost, love will be the one to pinpoint it. And if it hits you like a sniper, that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Listen, Amen. I'm telling you what he's going to do. He's going to select you. Then 
He's going to put you in a church. I believe that, don't you? There's no accident. There's no coincidence that you're in this church today. Could it be that God is leading you to the place where he has a prescribed spiritual growth plan just for you? If you'll be faithful and attend, I believe one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to complain at the judgment because we didn't get the answers we saw. And God's going to say, well, I had the answers, but you didn't show up to the feeding trough. You want to hear from God, but you don't want to hear from the preacher. You want to hear from God, but you don't want to read your Bible. You want to hear from God, but you want to listen to some lame preacher on television that won't tell you nothing worth a flip that'll convict your soul and, and cause you to uh, sorrow and repentance over your dirty, rotten sin. You just want to tickle, feel me, good message, amen. You want something that'll tickle the ear. You want something that'll give you a positive, uplifting word of encouragement. We've replaced all of our hardcore preaching on, uh, on our radios with encouraging, positive, lovely music and nobody wants to preach anymore but I say where the preachers uh, give it to us straight and give it to us hard because that's what this generation needs today he's going to put you in the church and it's for your benefit it's for your spiritual security in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16 Simon Peter answered and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Notice he said my church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And we have no business telling Jesus how we're going to run the show. Can I get an amen this morning? And the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Basically, Jesus established order. He said, I am the foundation. I'm going to use you an instrument instrument uh, to, to grow my church based upon the principle of who I am. You just said it, Peter. You said that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's based upon this truth. I'm going to let you build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Now, why is hell winning against so many churches today? Because they're not built on the rock. They're built on entertainment. They're built on talent. They're built on budgets. Amen. They're built on money and influence. And they're built on all, all kinds of junk. And it's all wood, hay, and stubble. And it won't stand the test of God's judging fire. God, give us a church that is birthed in fire and resurrected in the life of Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? He's going to select you so that he can secure you in a church that's willing to do mighty exploits for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Aren't you just tired of sitting around and twiddling your thumbs and waiting for Jesus to come and feeling like you're backed into a corner by the gates of hell and there's nothing you can do as a Christian anymore? Hogwash. We have a gospel that's able to save to the uttermost. It can still deliver the addict from his addiction. It can still save a sorry old daddy and make him a, a real man of God. Can I get an amen? I can still call up and resurrect the Billy Graham out of the slums of the, the muck and mire. This is a powerful gospel. If we'll just preach it as it is instead of the way we want it to be. We don't need to back down. If anything, we need to get louder. We need to go harder. We need to press in. Amen. And so many 
and, and the devil, the deceiver, slither into your ears. Oh, you let that preacher carry on like that. Y'all soon won't have a church left. Well, good. I hope that if this kind of preacher runs you off, you'll leave and God will replace you with somebody that appreciates the Word of God. Can I hear anything? I ain't worried about running people off. I'm worried about attracting the Lamb of God so that He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. May the Lord Jesus Christ rule and reign in this church and every church in it. Yes. This county, this community, and may the Lord Jesus draw in people that are hungry for Him. Amen. Amen. Oh my, my, my! Y'all excuse my boldness. That's called the Holy Ghost. I don't normally say it like that, but whenever I'm in the van, I just say whatever the Lord tells me. Say. Amen. Hallelujah. I might hide up under a pew from you after, but I don't want you to hit me. But right now, just let me say what the Lord put on my heart. Amen. Security. Did you know that you're never more secure than when you put your total faith in Jesus and your foot is on the rock and you have decided that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve His church. We're going to serve His church. Well, it's going to cost me time. And? And? No, 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 no. So what if it costs you time? Is Jesus asking you too much? It's going to cost me money. And so what? If it costs you money. Right. Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it beareth no fruit. God, you ain't invested until you've invested everything anyway. You think your 10% tip in God is good enough for Him. God wants everything. And if all you're doing is counting pennies and figuring out how you can give the least amount to the church because you've got to make your budget work before the kingdom of God, you miss the whole point and not even your 10% is sanctified. But God, give us some people that will say, I'm committed and I'm all in. If it's 10%, that's great. Hallelujah. Where else can I give? What other missionary can we pick on? What other ministry can we pick up? What other, how in the world are we going to put a dent in the devil's territory if we sit around and twiddle our thumbs and live in fear and pandemonium and panic and maintenance mode, God forbid the church has more power than to just maintain. Amen. Oh, he's going to secure his work. And he's going to do it through the local church, whether we like it or not. Yep. I don't know about you. I know the church has a problem, but she's still the best ship sailing. Amen. 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 She's still the best ship of sailing. It was at the church where I first heard about Jesus. Yeah. It was, a church, it was at the church where I gave my heart and life to Jesus. It was at a church where I surrendered to the ministry. It was at a church where I met my first wife and my only wife. Amen. It was at a church where I married my wife. It was at a church where I dedicated my five children one by one. And when the twins came, two at one time. Amen. Where we dedicated them to the Lord. It was at a church where my oldest son just got married and made holy matrimony vows to his wife just head over heels in love with Jesus more than him. I'm telling you what, I have only good things to say about the true church. Amen. What the devil wants to do is give you the molly grubs and give you a spirit of whining and complaining and griping and backbiting. And, well, that church don't ever do nothing for me. I don't know why they want my tithe. Amen. Did, you, did it ever occur to you the church wasn't here necessarily to serve you? That you're here to serve the church? Amen. You're going to have to flip the script and get over yourself. Amen. If I quit 
pastoring, every time somebody said something negative about me, or every time I felt unappreciated, just about every week I wouldn't show up. Amen. Aren't you glad to have a pastor that don't just tuck, tail, and run at the first thing? I'm not bragging. I might do it next week. I hope I don't. I know the weakness of this flesh. Y'all pray it never happens. The only reason I'm standing here is by the grace of God. Amen. Here's my point. If I can do it, you can do it. Yes. If I can commit, you can commit. If I can give, you can give. If I can sacrifice, you can sacrifice. Can I get an amen to yes. And many of you already are. Y'all say, y'all, he's preaching like ain't nobody done nothing around here. Well, I might, it might sound like that. But I, I recognize who's giving and who's not. I, I re, well, I don't know who's not giving. I know who is. Amen. I, I know who's committing. And, and many of you want to be here in camp. I acknowledge that. And I thank God for your heart where it's at. Amen. I'm not, I know people have strains of life that just can't. I, I, you know, please don't take this too personal. I'm just trying to make a point. We've got to get past all these excuses and lame mindsets that are killing the progress of the church. Find something good to focus on. Find something it'll secure your walk with God and it'll secure the future impact of this local assembly. Yes, amen. Just change, flip the script. Just change the conversation. Next time somebody comes to you whispering something, just, just excuse me, my ear is not garbage stumps anymore. <laughs> right. Amen. 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 You got something negative to say about who? Oh, I'm sorry. Here's their phone number. Call and tell it to them personally. I, I guarantee you, if you have enough people in the church shut the gossip down like that, the gospel will find somewhere else to gossip. And they'll leave here, which will be a healthy thing for the body of Christ. Because we don't need no gossipers uses the devil anyway around here trying to sow seeds of discord among the brethren and make everybody sound like a fool when they ain't. Amen. I feel like I'm running a rabbit now. Selection. Security. You want to have a secure walk with God? Get plugged into the church. You say, I don't know what I can do for God. Well, the first thing you can do is show up. Amen. I know that ain't everything. And many of you are here today. You say, well, you're preaching to the choir. Well, next week when the temple comes, are you going to be here again? Or are you going to let them talk you out of the next service? Are <laughs> right, you hearing what I'm saying? Half the battle is just showing up. Amen. You ask any of these veterans... Uh, we could not honor our veterans for the successes that they have garnered for our liberties that they have had they not shown up for the battle. Right. It takes somebody to say, I'll stand on the front lines and protect me and mine and ours. <coughs> Amen? Amen. <coughs> and we better be about defending that book, not some crazy idiot. Right. Amen. That wants to twist it and make create a different version of Christianity than what the Bible talks about. Thirdly, I see then, we see the selection, you see the security uh, uh, gathering us together, putting us in the church like they bundled the sheaves together. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Thirdly, I see the shelving. Now, this is a very important process, part of the process. When you first harvest wheat, there's got to be a drying period. Am I right? You, you can't just go straight from there to sifting because... If it's too wet, if it's got too much moisture in it, it won't separate right. All right? And so this is what I would describe as a shelving process. Now, whether they put it on actual shelves or hang it up, you know, probably different farmers do it different ways. 
Some of them just leave it out in the sun and let the sun dry it out. You hear what I'm saying? But the point is, I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want you to get this process. Is I, I'm calling it shelving because of the way God works in our lives sometimes. As wheat is dried out before it can be sifted. Doctrinal teaching will dry us out when we need things in our lives to die that are opposed to God's word. It, 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 you could have some leaven in your spirit or in your heart or in your mind. You could have some bad teaching and bad ideas. You could have let that gossip or fill your head with bad thoughts that are opposed to God's word and God's work and God's will for this church in your life. And you want to need some good, sound, biblical, doctrinal preaching, much like we're doing this morning, to help dry out through the heat of the Son of God all of that moisture that's going to prevent the process from having its work. Let that heat dry you out. Some of us got some things we need drying out. It's that got in your head. And, and, and you were serving God until somebody, you let somebody rob you of your joy. Right. Now you, you used to love your church, and now you ain't got nothing but complaints about it. You remember like it used to be. You remember how it used to be. And, oh, if we could just go back to what, fill in the blank. And I got news for you. This church ain't never going to be what it used to be. But it can be all God meant for today, be today and tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Instead of focusing on trying to recreate something in the past. Uh, and when neither the past nor the people that were in the past will ever come back in the same way that they came before. What we can do is learn valuable lessons from what the past left us. Uh, which are good things and right things and wholesome things, but let the sun dry out anything that's standing in our way of letting God do what He wants to do. Amen. I'm talking about a process. And sometimes it'll show you, note, before his denial prophecy, Peter spent a considerable amount of time traveling with Jesus, witnessing His miracles, and absorbing His teachings. This period can be viewed as a form of preparatory shelving, where Peter was being equipped for his later ministry. Maybe some of you feel like you ain't being used of God right now. And maybe your gripe is that you want to serve God, but nobody's asked you to do anything. Could it be a divine thing that God wants you to sit there for a little while and see if you can just soak up the Word of God and let the sun dry your soul out of things and impurities that want to prevent Him from doing His work? And if you'll give God time and be faithful, maybe in due time God will raise you up and use you as well. Amen. Everybody wants to serve, but nobody wants to wait. Everybody wants to degree, but nobody wants to go through college to get it. Everybody wants to be used of God, but nobody wants to be put to the test to see if their character will withhold and withstand the heat and the trials and the tribulations of life that come with it. Well, what if God's shelving you right now? What if it has nothing to do with, well, the preacher won't recognize my talent? What if it had nothing to do with that? What if God's blinding me to your talent? And I can't even see it, even though it's obvious to everybody else. And it had nothing to do with me. But God is hiding you to shelve you, to dry you out to the point that he can eventually use you for his glory. Has it ever occurred to you that sometimes the children of God must experience a shelving process? We must let the word do its work. You can't just go without preparation. Let me give you a couple of illustrations in Peter's life. If this is helping you, say amen. 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 Good, good, good. We're making progress. 
Think, for example, of Peter's rebuke by Jesus for not discerning divine matters. When Jesus was prophesying to his disciples that they would kill him and he would raise up three days later, Peter rebuked the Lord and said, that is not going to happen. Because Peter didn't know squat. And he thought he knew everything. After all, he had attended Sunday school his whole life. Hello? It's funny how arrogant we can be with our knowledge when we don't really know the full picture and we fail to see the significance of that scripture which says we see in part. In part. You think you got the whole picture and all you got is one little corner of the puzzle piece. And you call it done. You don't even know what you're talking about. Just give God time to work and zip those lips before you say something you regret later. I've been there. I've been there. Peter saying that ain't going to happen. See, Peter was taught that Jesus supposed to set up ruling reign right then and there and set up a, a military power and take over the Roman government and establish his king. That wasn't what Jesus came for the first time. All right. Peter didn't understand that, so he didn't, he didn't know what he was talking about. Has it ever heard of you that sometimes God might teach you things that you've never heard before? God might use me to say things that you've never heard preached before, and just because you've never heard before don't mean it ain't true. It could just mean that you weren't ready for it till now, and now God's trying to open up your heart and mind and eyes to see new things, to get ready for a move of God. Peter objected. And this is right after Jesus gave the prophecy we opened our text with. Upon this rock I'll build my church. And guess they will not prevail against it. Peter got cocky. He said, oh, 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 I've got some revelation. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to use my status with God now. I'm going to tell Jesus where it's at. And he got rebuked real quick. You remember what Jesus told him? Don't you get me behind me? Satan. Peter was so cocky and arrogant after having been uh, uh, recognized for receiving direct inspiration from God himself. Yeah. Yeah. You see how quick we can, we can feel like we've arrived because God talks to us. And we forget that God only tells us we're on an as-need-to-know basis. He only tells us the parts he thinks we can handle or knows we should have. But that doesn't, by any stretch of imagination, mean that we've arrived. We better stay humble. We better stay teachable. We better stay moldable. Or take, for example, uh, Peter's impulsive reaction during the Mount of Transfiguration when they had a, a revelation of Jesus. And you remember Moses and uh, who else was it? Elijah. Elijah. And you know, you remember what Peter wanted to do? He wanted to build a monument. He wanted to build a temple to all three of them. While Peter was wanting to build a monument of the past, Jesus was trying to build a momentum and a movement for the future. Now that's some heavy stuff right there. I could drop the mic and go home right there. So many of us in our churches today are worried more about building monuments and memorials of yesterday than to recognize the fresh, real, raw, unadulterated move of God that is today and what God wants to do in your life right now and tomorrow and the next day and next week and next year. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in the past. I don't. I refuse to die in the wilderness. Amen. And you better just help the wounded, bury the dead, and march on over into the promised land and let God do a new thing in the earth today. Peter opened his mouth and said, let's build three tabernacles. 
As soon as he started talking that mess, everything disappeared. That Peter wanted to build a monument to. Yep. You know what God will do with your stuff that you resurrect monuments to? He'll make them all crumble and disappear before your very eyes. Because yep. yep. it ain't about what men can build. It's what God does in the hearts and souls of men and women and boys yes. and girls. The lasting legacy you better leave for your children is not something that's etched and stone out in the front yard of the church or on the side of the pew, but you're uh, being a living epistle. Amen. Seen and read of all men. Uh, where is your heart for God? Are you leaving a legacy of faith by the way you live, the way you talk, the way you do, the way you treat people, the way you love people? That's where it's all at. Jesus is trying to move their religious philosophy from that which you can touch tangibly with your hands and see visibly with your eyes of so that which moves your heart and soul and spirit in sync with the heartbeat of God. Yes. Yes. But if we build monuments instead of catching wind of the current moving of the Holy Ghost, we end up with hearts as stoned as the monuments themselves. Because we insist on man-made traditions over the manna of God's word, okay. which is fresh bread, right. a very present help. Yeah. Amen. Baptists get in trouble preaching that God is still alive and active and well today and able to do things right now that he used to could do. They don't want me to tell you that, but I got news when I done seen them do it. I done, I'm hooked. Amen. I'm burnt. Amen. If I'm dreaming, don't wake me up. I'm doing it too. I've seen God heal sick people. I've seen God answer unanswered um, prayer. Just because He don't answer all of them don't mean you shouldn't. You should quit praying anymore. Right. Let me ask you a question. Just because everybody don't get saved, does that mean I should just quit preaching the gospel? Right. Well, everybody ain't going to get saved. Well, should I quit praying for healing just because everybody ain't going to get it? Same principle. What we do is we give God our very best faith we can give him, and then we trust him with whatever results he goes out. And that's a hard reality sometimes. And it hurts sometimes. But Peter had to learn this. This was this process he was in. Now he was being shelled, and now he was having to sit as a student and zip his lips and quit running his mouth for a little while and let the Lord teach him some things. And I've been in that school, and so have you. And I'm still in it sometimes. Sometimes I have to go back. They have what today what they call continuing education for a lot of careers. Amen. A lot of careers today because technology moves so quick you have to go back to school over and over again to learn the new things. Did you know with the Holy Ghost you're always in continual education? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> hey, he'll, uh, you'll move from glory to glory, the Bible says. You just think you know about them today. Just wait till it shows you something else about them tomorrow you never heard before. Yeah. Amen. Deep calleth unto deep, right? Yes. So he was shelled so he could start learning these things. And then comes the sitting after the drying out, after the waiting, after the being taught and molded. And, and all of that, the prophecy of Peter sifting by Jesus and later his denial of Christ are strong representations of the stage of sifting showing Peter's faith being tested and refined. Now, stay with me just a few more minutes. Some of you get sleepy. Just stand, you need to stand up and stand up. Amen. With the sifting is first the threshing. 
Oh, I could preach for an hour on this. Don't worry, I'm not going to. This is the step where the wheat grains are separated from the stalks. This could be seen as a form of crushing, as traditionally it involved beating the stalks to loosen the grains. This could be done by hand, by animals tampering over them. I saw a video the other day in some third world countries they let the little children roll and, and roll around on top of it as weights to help crush and loosen it up. I thought that was pretty good. Amen. And sometimes the devil sends somebody dance on top of you and you feel humiliated. You feel uh, degraded. You feel uh, you don't, you feel anything but saved. You feel anything but serving God. You feel anything but victory. But God is threshing you. Testing. This this could be done by hand by animals. In our lives, testing is our threshing. Then there's the winnowing. After threshing, the mixture of wheat and chaff is tossed into the air, allowing the wind to blow away the lighter chaff while the heavier grains fall back to the ground. This typifies the work of the Holy Spirit, blowing away all impurities through his movement in our lives. Half then is typically what is driven away as the wicked who will not stand a chance in the presence of God Almighty. And God will take the wind of the Holy Ghost and blow out all that junk in your life that is not helpful to his cause. Threshing, winnowing, then the sifting, any remaining impurities or unwanted material are further separated from the wheat through sifting. This is typically done using a, a sieve to sort the wheat from any remaining debris. And I got I, I got some shouting down for it right here. I know what I'm gonna say. You don't. <laughs> I'm already excited. I watched a video the other day of a, uh, a modern-day farmer sifting by hand. And I read where he knows that the sifting is done when he stops hearing the wheat fall and drop and hit the pan. And boy, I've been thinking about that. I wonder what God is listening for in our lives. I wonder if God will hear wheat dropping. When God shakes us, when God breaks us, what will come from us? Will it be chaff or will it be wheat? Will it be praise or will it be complaint? Yes. What will God hear and how will he know that the sifting has served is purpose. Can I submit to you today that God will know that the sifting has served its purpose when after you have been sifted, you break down like Job and you worship the Lord and you say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord hath given. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you've gone through trial and tribulation and struggle and trial and the only thing you have left to say is blessed be the name of the Most High God. Then God knows He's got a servant He can trust for trouble. God knows He's got a servant He can trust to serve Him. God knows He's got a a servant uh, that he can brag on because you remember when the Satan came before the Lord uh, and, the, and, the, and, and the Lord said, has thou considered my servant Job? Now I ain't preaching easy stuff. But I'm preaching it right. Amen. 
You know, you know why I'm so intimately acquainted with this process, don't you? Because the Lord worked on this with me. I'm guilty. Of saying stupid stuff when I'm under pressure. I still struggle with this. Oh, but God help me to get to the day where only Jesus and his pureness and his loveliness are echoed from the deep recesses of my soul because there's nothing else left I don't have to explain him. I don't have to understand him. But if I want God's best in my life, I must worship him. Yes. You know why God insists on being worshipped? Because he's the only perfect entity. And only perfection demands and requires worship. And it has nothing to do with favorable circumstances that prop us up and enable us to get us in the mood. God is looking for a church that will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's good to shout on cue, but can you shout without a cue? Amen. Can you shout when trouble hits and say, oh, glory to God. God must be up to something big because the devil's fighting me again today. Can I get an amen this morning? It's time for the church of the living God to thank God for the fiery furnace instead of rebuking the Lord in your prayers and asking God to remove the thorn. Amen. I understand that His grace is sufficient and God, through your weakness, will be made strong. Yes. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for relief. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for help. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying there comes a point in the trial where you surrender to his worshipful right. person. <laughs> so what does God listen for? And then the last thing that happens after the sifting is, is the service. Yes. You know what happens to wheat after going through well, you, you make bread with it? Yes. What, what what all can you do with wheat nowadays? Oh boy. Come on. <laughs> now it can be prepared for service. You can serve. Oh, listen to me. Just give me a couple more minutes and I'll be done. At Peter's restoration by Jesus, in John 21, he affirms his love for Jesus three times, mirroring his earlier three denials, and, and is then commissioned to feed Jesus' sheep. This symbolizes Peter being prepared and then served into ministry to nourish others in their faith. Just as Jesus told him, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You say, Brother Gary, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Well, we all go through that. And I, honestly, I, I'm, not, I'm not always there either. But Jesus did say, I prayed for you. Yeah. He said, when you get there, strengthen the brethren. You may not be there today. I want to say that's okay because you're still in his hands. Mm -hmm. I want to say that's okay because that process of sifting is necessary. And the, the title of the message is The Secret is in the sifting. You may not be there, but by the time God gets through sifting, 
He will have separated the wheat from the chaff and one day your chaff will no longer prohibit or hinder you from being served to the world through Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, just let him work that process in your life. Continue to yield to him. It hurts right now. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. It's going to be hard for a little while, but sooner or later, the prayer of Jesus is going to pull you out and your faith will not fail. You might have had some weak moments, but that seed that's in you remains because you're his uh, and he's yours and I'm thankful that even uh, when my faith fails the faith of the son of God is down deep in my soul and it'll rise up uh, when I don't have any faith to stand on my own and one day uh, I'll be able to give glory to God through this trial may not be today may not be next year might not be five years from now but sooner or later the process of sifting will produce the preparation needed to where I can really make a difference for Jesus. We see then in the book of Acts, Peter stepping into his apostolic role, preaching boldly, healing and leading in the early church, and doing his thing for Jesus. He's the only apostle to which it was written that he had such power with God. They laid the sick along the edge of the curb of the streets. And just, at the, just, just in case the shadow of Peter touched them. And if his shadow touched them, they would get up and walk home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the hearts of them that believe the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. It may look bad today, but God's not done yet. You wait until the sifting is over and God will make a champion out of you. God will get glory out of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you believe what I'm preaching, rise to your feet and give God some glory. Clap your hands, all your people, and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. I'm glad that God knows how to sift it all. Joe, come to the piano as you're standing. Just stand reverently. Quietly, we're going to give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord this morning. And I'd be glad to pray with you if you'd like for me to. Christians, uh, those of you who are already close to God, would you come on up and pray? I want you to lead the way so that if somebody else wants to come up and they're a little uncomfortable, maybe your presence will encourage them. Just come bow before the, before the presence of the Lord. Listen. God wants... God wants to finish that good work that he's begun in you. The secrets and the sifting. God might not have sent the battle, but he knows, how to, he knows what to do with it. God may not have caused chaos and confusion, but he knows how to bring cure and help and aid and healing. The following verse is part of John the Baptist's proclamation about Jesus. John describes Jesus as one who will separate the righteous or the wheat from the unrighteous or the chaff with the latter facing divine judgment symbolized by unquenchable fire. And Jesus, uh, I mean, John said this about Jesus, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. 
Listen, my friend, God has not given up on you. And he is in the process. Satan wants to take your chaff and throw it in the face of God. But the Holy Ghost wind will blow that out of the way. And God will capture your wheat. And he'll put it in his container. And God will preserve and protect what he began in your life. The Bible said he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus is gathering his wheat. And the process has already begun. Luke 12, 49 said, I have come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? Father, in the name of Jesus, you see your servants kneeling before your presence. Lord, many are hurting and bleeding in ways that are beyond human capacity, comprehension, or definition. The only one I know who's well able and qualified to heal the deepest hurts and pains is none other than the Lord Jesus. So Lord, bridge the gap. Lord, I can't touch them and make them whole, but you can. I can't hug them and heal their hearts, but you can. Oh, dear Jesus, would you minister and help and heal and bless. Lord, I pray that at the end of it all, when they come out the other side of this fiery trial, that they won't even have the smell of smoke on them. Lord, I know it looks rough, but that's, that chaff is there right now, but when you get through, that Spirit of God will even blow that away. Oh, purify us, oh God. This is not easy, but it's necessary. And we trust you with the process. And we bless your holy name. And we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you. And we fully expect to come today or someday down the road. You will finish what you started in our lives. Meanwhile, help us to trust you in the process. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.